Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for another athlete interview from a sport we have never covered on this show before. Well, we commentated on it during the Tokyo Olympics, but we've never had an athlete on the show from the sport of artistic swimming, previously known as synchronised swimming. And today, we're breaking that duck. We are going to be speaking to Australian Olympian Kirsten Kanash, competed in Tokyo, and such a fun and informative interview here. You are going to learn so much about the sport today. It's a sport that often a lot of people sometimes mock, sometimes people don't really know a whole lot about and only get to see it every four years in the Olympics. And I'm guilty of that too. I've definitely been on that page where maybe I haven't taken it as seriously as people should. But after this interview, I I am completely on the opposite end of that spectrum. I'm saying this right now. I think artistic swimmers are maybe the most complete athletes on the planet. They have to do so much work to compete in their sport and have to basically be an every athlete on every single ability that you can imagine. And Kirsten really goes through the details of just how complete of an athlete you have to be to compete in this sport. Probably the most difficult sport on the planet to actually get right. And all the elements you will learn today about how this sport is so difficult. It is such an informative interview. You're going to learn a lot. It's also a lot of fun too. You're going to learn about how maybe I'm going to be joining her in Paris to compete, which is uh, always a dream of mine and how Star Wars is involved in that as well. So without further ado, here is our chat with Australian Olympic artistic swimmer Kirsten Kanash. I often start on these introductions by saying that I'm so excited to speak to today's guest in whatever sport they're on and give a bit of a talk up. But I, I'm not even going to beat around the bush today by saying how excited I am to talk to today's guest because we have never had an athlete from the sport of artistic swimming on. And this is a sport that I have always, always been fascinated by. I have always enjoyed watching it at any Olympics that I watch. I've always wanted to learn more about it. Let's be honest, I've tried it in a pool and clearly not very good at it, hence why I'm not an Olympian. Maybe some other reasons behind that too. But this person today is an Olympian. She competed at the Tokyo Olympics and we are here to learn a little bit more about her journey to the Olympics, more about the sport and everything else. In between, it's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, Kirsten Kanash. First of all, Kirsten, welcome to the show. It's a it's a massive pleasure to speak with you on the show today. Hi, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I I am I am happy for you to be here too because I, I'm not lying. I love artistic swimming, but I just need to start off straight away by saying artistic swimming, not synchronized swimming, 
what what happened there? When did this become a thing? Because we got confused during the Olympics that we didn't know if we were being offensive or whatever by calling it synchro. Like this this is recent, right? And and why is it now artistic and not synchro swimming? <laughs> yeah, so um, it is pretty recent. I think there's a lot of opinions in the community about the name change. Uh, it happened in 2017 Worlds in Budapest. They yeah, I made the switch from synchronized swimming to artistic swimming. But if you call it synchro, no one's going to be offended. I still do. My dad tried to bring Ardo. Ardo, <laughs> term, Ooh, I like but, that. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that one's really picked up. Wow. Um, yeah, I guess it just, I, I really like the name synchronized swimming because it's, I guess, finally made an impression in the community. Um, people finally knew what the sport was and then they changed the name. So now we're trying to kind of build up the impression or get people to learn the term artistic swimming. But um, I guess it summarizes the sport better because synchronized swimming, we always got the question like, oh, what happens if you do a solo? Is it still synchronized swimming? <laughs> uh, but it, the sport is a lot more about um, portraying an art and portraying a storyline or um, capturing the feeling of the music. Um, so I guess that's why they changed it to artistic swimming, probably a bunch of behind the scenes reasons as well. But um, so I, I do really like the name, um, but no one's going to be offended if you call it synchronized <laughs> swimming. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. We didn't know if it was kind of like tying in a little bit, say with gymnastics. So if you've now got artistic swimming, is there maybe a rhythmic swimming so that maybe we can see like ribbons and balls and batons and that in the water? Like, is that kind of what they're trying to do? Uh, I haven't heard anything like that, but that would be wild. I would love to watch a sport like that or be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I think that would be fun. And, and on that topic, though, like is, there is legitimately solo artistic swimming, isn't there? Like, you, Isn't there certain competitions where there is sort of you can compete just as an individual? Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of the sport. Um, lots of girls do solos. So, um, yeah, we have Olympics, obviously, is just teams of eight, but we have uh, solos, duets, um, combos, which have 10, all sorts of wow different groupings. <laughs> so is it just I like guess- a Royal Rumble, everybody in the pool, like 50 people just kind of going for it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that too. I feel like you should be on the synchro board <laughs> hey, making some decisions. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy we to give to- ideas. Yeah, we used to have the World Trophy, which was an amazing event that had props and things. So wow, you should definitely go check that one out. I want to see props in in artistic swimming. This sounds amazing. Come on, like, geez, what's going on, IOC? Bring this into the Olympic program. <laughs> yeah, let's go. And I have to ask as well, because this is a legitimate question. When we had our rhythmic gymnast guests on recently, is uh, male artistic swimming? Is this a thing? Is does it actually exist out there? Yeah, it is. It is, um, which is incredible. I'm a big advocate of inclusivity, obviously, and I'm hoping in the next, like, coming up games, maybe Paris. Actually, sorry, not Paris, but uh, the next one, LA, hopefully they bring males into the sport. Um, Yeah, it is a thing. It's growing. I think it's recently relatively new, sorry. So, yeah. there's always been the odd male involved in the sport, but it's only been, I think it was Kazan World Championships was the first worlds where males could actually compete. Great. Um, 
so it's it's new that like um men are being trained from a young age of six or whatever into the sport um but we do have one male artistic swimmer in Australia, um, Ethan. He's really great. So, and we're we've got a few young ones coming up at different home clubs. So, yeah, I'm a big advocate of getting males involved. It's great, especially mixed duets are so beautiful to watch. Also, oh, there's mixed mix listen- too. That that's actually that's that would be fun to watch to kind of see that too. Wow. Yeah, definitely. It's really yeah. cool. And the women fly so high out of the water. It's, wow. it's great to watch. It's almost like I can imagine like figure skating in water, essentially, kind of like you've got like the, the mixed pairs and all that sort of stuff too. So, But I, lo- I love hearing that because in all seriousness, you know, it's great what the IOC and sort of the global community is doing for, you know, including sort of, you know, making sure that the genders are balanced and everything. And obviously we've got a long way to go with those sort of things. And the majority of it is getting more sort of female events on these mainly predominantly male events. But there are still, like, obviously, yeah, I think of artistic swimming, I think of rhythmic gymnastics, um, sports in which they are obviously predominantly female. And even I learnt recently, Kirsten, that softball, you know, I think softball, baseball, you think male, female, but there is male softball and there's female baseball. So it's isn't it interesting how these things work? <laughs> I'm learning a lot on this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, yeah. <laughs> it kind of yeah. plays out well that people can listen to this show and be educated at the same time, maybe sometime. Uh, but I, I'm intrigued about your journey into the sport because you – originally are from Canada. Now, you fit perfectly in with this show, given that we're dual Canada-Australian sort of production, essentially. So t- tell us about how you got started in the sport. Was this something that you got started in, in Canada? And please, plug where you're from in Canada, because you make me happy where you're from in Canada, and particularly the hockey team that you support as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm from Calgary, Alberta, and Woo. go the Flames. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got started when I was, I think I was six. Um, I was always kind of a water kid, like really confident in the water and loved swimming, but I was really bored of just looking at the black line swimming up and down. I, I wanted something more and I'm super feminine, like such a girly girl. So synchro was sort of the perfect fit. Um, I did get started in Canada. The sport's a bit more well-known over there, I'd say. So, um, yeah, my mom just brought me to a club when I was a kid and I was instantly hooked. Um, yeah, it's just, it's such a beautiful and addicting sport. It's a lot harder than it looks. So that makes it addicting as well. You just want to keep learning the next skill and, um, keep trying and going to practices until you get it. So that's kind of, how I got hooked. Um, and then when I moved over to Australia, there wasn't any clubs for a while until eventually I found the Gold Coast Mermaids and, uh, I'm, they are just the best. It's, they've made synchro such a great experience for me. And I was really lucky because, uh, when I was coming up, all the Olympic team was training on the Gold Coast. So, as a kid, I got to watch them and be so inspired and learn a lot from them. And that's been a big part of my synchro career is learning from the people who came before me. I've got to, I've got to say your accent is, is very Australian with a bit of a blend of Canada to it. So what age did you actually come to Australia and what brought about the move to Australia? 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so I came over when I was nine. I'm 23 wow. now. Uh, and it's such a, it's weird. I thought I'd be more Aussie sounding by now, but. The- oh, you definitely are. But I can just, it's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> like that, that subtle blend that I'm sure. I don't know if like people pick up on it or if it's more of a, you go back to Canada and people are like, oh God, you sound so Australian now. Or people here go like, oh, where? Cause it's, it's very Australian. It's like 80% Aussie with a few twangy Canadian words, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's exactly it. My nose are Australian and then my yep. R's are Canadian. So <laughs> wherever I go, people are like, what are you? <laughs> makes me feel exotic, but I'm really not. <laughs> Is this where I get you to say the sentence like, oh, I'm out and about on the Zamboni. A and like see how Canadian that sounds. <laughs> Can you say that one more time? <laughs> I, I'm out and about on the Zamboni A. <laughs> I'm out and about on the Zamboni A. <laughs> More Australian. There you go. Yeah, my yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my Canadian friends got me to say no. I am a hobo. <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> no, I am. A- yeah, that I always would find that in Canada that whenever you would drop an O, that's when people would be, you know generally make fun of of my accent. But um, I don't think I was <laughs> there quite it. long enough, yeah, to, to, to pick up. Although I, I do find myself saying A, like I legitimately will text people and be like, oh, it's cold today, A. Eh? Uh, like, like I'll be saying that, like what's going on? I wasn't there for that long. Uh, so <laughs> it kind of happens uh, that way. I mean, you mentioned the sport in Canada. I mean, it is quite more significantly bigger in in Canada. I know there's been some success from Canadian synchro swimmers, medals at the Olympics and everything along those lines. Is it something that when you were starting off in in lap swimming that do you get poached? Like you sort of said you were sort of sicking of seeing the black lines, but can synchro coaches see you and maybe think that your style is more suited to synchro? Is that something that happens a lot in Canada? Um, I mean, I know that definitely happens in the European countries, um, or it's more your hand selected from when you're a kid, they look at you and they're like, oh, you have good points and good knees and they measure your parents height. Like in some countries, they (laughs) really like pick a specific type of girl because everyone's got to look the same. Um, Canada, I'm I'm not sure because I moved when I was so young. I'm maybe that's happening now. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I think I joined a rec club. I've got to think back now. This is so long ago, but, um, I, I think when I joined the rec club, they recommended I tried, um, a more serious club because I did have a bit of a natural swimming ability. Um, so that, yeah, that was good. But other than that, I think they let anyone try. Um, and in Australia too, they, they're encouraging of all girls. Like I was definitely a bit of a uncoordinated, awkward kid, but I just <laughs> kept trying and I got really addicted and fell in love with this sport. And in the end, that's what counts. It's your commitment to the sport over your natural ability. It's fascinating to think, that Australia hasn't really had, I guess, a massive global presence in the sport because we're a water-based country. Obviously, swimming is is one of our our top sports, if not our top sport on the global scale. And yet Canada, I don't often think of 
people as a kid going, I'm going to go to the local pool. It's more of a, I'm going to go to the local ice rink. I'm going to go to the ski field, something along those lines. So it's kind of, it's interesting that, that Canada is a pretty successful nation in synchro, yet Australia hasn't really translated across. I think it's the one water-based Olympic sport that we have not meddled in, if I'm thinking off the top of my head. Obviously, diving, we have swimming, open water swimming, water polo we have. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's it's interesting. Do you, do you know if there's a reason in Canada why synchro is well-received, successful? I, I would go out on a limb and say that and diving are probably your two most successful outside of uh, the pool when it comes to those sports. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think there's a lot to synchro um, with. You need a lot of girls coming through because then you can be more selective and it's more competitive. Um, and you need like strong national team coaches, which it can be a bit hard getting people all the way out to Australia. Um, and you need that coach or a set of girls to stick around for at least the four year term, if not eight years or more than that. Um, yeah, you just need a strong national team who stays together um, for a long time. So it's just a lot of behind the scenes stuff that um, can make a country kind of place or not. Um, and you need to be a strong team for years and years and years before you can climb up the ranks in our sport. So Australia is getting stronger with every That's generation. Good. And I'm very excited to see um, the girls compete in Paris. I think it's going to be a big step up. Um, we're looking to beat Egypt. That's our next goal. So ah, traditional rivals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure why a winter country is so much more established in synchro. That's a <laughs> great question. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to kind of delve into the history of the sport in Canada, as I know you're, you're an Aussie person. You're not Canadian. You're just kind of just where you were born. But it's it's always interesting. And I mean, I always like it when we get our Canadian athletes on and sort of we talk a little bit more about the, the geography of the country too, where it's I think it's obviously a lot sort of things are based in the east versus the west. I can imagine probably a bit more in the east in Quebec. It's maybe a bit more based more so than sort of the west side of things. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we're we not here to discuss the Canadian geography of, of Synchro. We're here to talk about uh, the Australian <laughs> side. The, the one thing sort of that has always fascinated me about the sport, I mean, and you kind of touched on it before about it's it's a much more difficult sport than it seems. It's, it's kind of – I remember as a kid when Sydney got the Olympics and our family was like – we're going to go to the Olympics. We're going to go. We're going to go see some events. And the joke was, we're not going to be able to see any events. All of them are going to sell out. We're only going to get tickets to the synchronized swimming. We're like, ah, well, like whatever. It's fine. We will go see it. But in all honesty, if we had have gone and we had have gotten tickets, I would have absolutely loved it because it is so fascinating to watch. And when you watch it and really kind of see what you're doing, the difficulties of it, because it's not just about swimming, is it? You've got to be able to have strength. You've got to be able to have balance you've got to be able to be agile you've got to learn a routine you've got to I mean can you think of another sport that is even comparable to the difficulty of it because gymnastics hard sport but they're on land they don't have to add water to it as well they don't drown halfway through the floor routine Simone Biles can breathe normally for half of her routine (laughs) can't she she doesn't have to take a breath every minute I mean are there any sports out there that are comparable for the difficulties that synchro has Yeah, well, synchro really is in a league of its own. And I think a lot of people don't 
understand when they're watching how difficult it is because if synchro looks easy, then it means the athletes have done their job um, because it is a very hard sport. So <laughs> anyone who's watching thinking it's easy, it just means those athletes are working so hard to make it look seamless and effortless. Um, and actually, it's a very like entertaining sport at the Olympics. It's um, like I heard I don't know if I heard this from a synchro swimmer so maybe it's biased but um <laughs> I heard synchro is one of the fastest selling out sports at the really? games wow. yeah because uh I guess people don't really think about it until it comes around that every four years and it's something that's really entertaining to watch um yeah so I'm biased but I think it's one of the best Olympic sports you're to allowed watch. to be biased <laughs> but, but that's the thing though like I completely agree with that because going back to my intro it's it is one of those sports that, I mean, particularly in Australia, we only ever get to see during the Olympics. I, I, you know, it's kind of not something that's really publicised much here, but it is fascinating. And the thing that really made it so much more entertaining this year from a television perspective was that new camera. I mean, I don't know if this is new in the sport. It's probably been around in world champs and everything for a while, but at least from an Olympics perspective, it was that sort of line camera where you had the water kind of in the middle of the camera and we could see everything that was going under the water as well as on the on the surface. And we, we may have done some commentary Kirsten during the games I don't know if we will share it with you because you'd probably be embarrassed at how terrible our knowledge is of the sport but hey we had fun um but I mean it's it's fascinating to watch because again I have no idea what's happening and I'm trying to learn and go wow look at that look at wow they're doing that this is fascinating so it, it helps bring the viewers into the games yeah I'd love to listen to your commentary we um <laughs> we'll send it to you we'll send it to you you can laugh awesome. at how horrible it is <laughs> oh no I'm sure it's great um yeah I'm really grateful that camera was a thing because it really a lot of people who hadn't seen this sport before I got a lot of comments that they loved watching like what our legs and arms were doing and they couldn't believe that we weren't just floating or touching the bottom <laughs> I was like yeah our, our legs are actually working really hard under there um <laughs> And yeah, I, it's funny. I used to call that camera, the wedgie camera, because they tell you at like world championships and stuff, as you're getting out of the pool, you can't fix your togs or they're going to see it on to, that wedgie camera. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, you are, but it's going to be on like international right. TV, you unpicking your wedgies. So. But, but, but so you would, you would rather not unpick your wedgie and, and, see your butt basically in front of like is that more preferable like i'd, I'd, I'd rather unpick the wedgie i think <laughs> yeah I'd, it's a bit of a toss-up hey yeah <laughs> but i guess in our sport we're used to people seeing all parts of everything so <laughs> the show must go on <laughs> can't, can't quite say that yeah my um my butt is shown often into the world so yeah i, I you know maybe i don't know it depends on the circumstances <laughs> but I, I mean i want to talk more about the the technicalities of the sport because i am fascinated to learn more about it but just just for you when you were sort of making your way through the ranks when you came to Australia when you were sort of continuing on the sport was this always something that then an Olympics was the dream was this something that you grew up wanting to achieve or was it more of as you progressed in the sport you realized that this is a possibility that you could make an Olympics yeah so when I first started the sport I never thought Olympics like I would go there. Uh, I always thought the Olympics was amazing. I was a lot more aware when I was a kid of the winter Olympics being from Calgary. Um, but I was just fascinated and amazed. I, the one I remember most vividly is Beijing and watching the synchro girls there. I just thought it was incredible. Um, 
And then it wasn't until I moved to the Gold Coast where I basically learned everything because I had a little break from synchro when I was in Canada, like between moving from Canada to Australia, uh, there wasn't any clubs. So I came to Australia and basically learned everything here. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until I saw those girls training for the London team that I was just so inspired. And I thought maybe one day it could be on the cards and Great. yeah, it, it turns out it was, I was really fortunate. It's a lot of like getting to an Olympic games is, um, a lot of hard work, but it's also a lot of luck and being the right body type. And there's so much having the right coaches and the right parents to support you. There's a lot of factors that go into it. And I was just one of the luckiest people in the world that it all came together and I got to go to the Olympic Games. Well, I can imagine if you were to do a percentage of Australian Olympians based on sport, that uh, synchro is not a very high up there in terms of how many Australians have competed in the sport ac across the uh, the Olympics. So that kind of adds a little bit more of uniqueness to it. W were you a sporty kid growing up? Did you compete in other sports? Was there another potential Olympic sport that we could have seen you compete in had things gone a different direction? <laughs> oh, well, um, I've always loved sport and been involved in lots of stuff. My parents were um, always kind of as a young kid, like, you have to do something, <laughs> which I, I was happy to. I, I love sport, but I'm a really uncoordinated, awkward kid. So <laughs> to all the awkward kids out there, there's always going to be a sport for you. You just have to find it. And for me, that was any water sport. Um, I just felt at home and natural in the water. So um, I think if I hadn't have been doing synchro, I might have tried, I don't know, like water polo or something yes. like that. I Right now, I surf a lot. I've been getting into right. that. Um, Olympic sport now. So hey. Yeah, that's amazing. But, oh, those people are just incredible. Like, I, I don't think <laughs> I could reach that level. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I love skateboarding too, which nice. I don't know. I'm. It's not quite the sport for me. I've had a few <laughs> major falls in that. So. <laughs> are there videos? Are there videos, Kirsten? Can we can we see these? I'm not saying we want to see you fail, but I'm just saying that some people like to... <laughs> Somewhere in the archives. There's also videos of me breaking my wrist. So. Ouch. Okay, then. Yeah, not wow. good. <laughs> but, don't, don't, um, we don't need to see that one, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, synchro is the main love of my life, but any water sport I think I'm a big fan of. Did you, did you grow up? sort of loving other Australian sports in terms of, you know, do you get into, do you get into rugby? Do you get into Australian football, cricket, uh, or are these still sports that you kind of like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, I love going to games. Like I'll go and cheer, but I'm yeah, a little bit lost. I'm, I'd say I'm definitely biased. I'm more obsessed with like the artistic sports. Um, so I love watching like ballet or any of the gymnastics, uh, all of those. <laughs> What about breakdance? I mean, we're about to see breakdancing in Paris. So I, I don't know, like, this is, we're all confused about breakdancing because I've never seen a competitive breakdancing match in my life. But I mean, I don't know if this is a thing that maybe in the artistic sports community that we're missing out on that you know much about breakdancing. Maybe this this is another sport that, you know, after synchro, you could try your hand at breakdancing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about that one, Um, but I'm really excited to watch it. It is wild. Like, I think it's easy to look at, these sports that sound so obscure and say like, Oh, that's 
a weird sport or that surely that's not like that difficult but uh synchros taught me to not knock it until you really understand it because yeah i i actually i want to learn a lot more about break dancing and how this scoring system works and stuff sure. like that and i think people had to learn that uh this olympics with skateboarding and yeah surfing um all of those ones but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they bring out with breakdancing. I remember in Rio when they announced all those sports for Tokyo and the one that we questioned was sport climbing. What the hell is that? But that, that turned out to be one of the best sports of the Olympics. That's, that was amazing. I don't know if you caught any of the sport climbing, but um, it was weirdly entertaining. And uh, oh, I'm yeah. hoping the same for breakdancing. Yeah, totally. I, I remember I was waiting for my event um, and – climbing was on the tv and it was really comforting to as a little distraction um to watch that and they were they're just incredible like they look like i don't know how they get up that wall so fast it's so it's cool it'll be neat to see the next sports that come out of paris for sure we always look forward to seeing what those and uh the ones i think they're, they're talking about cheerleading possibly being in la in 2028 so oh wow yeah, there's all these sort of talks about different ones that they can add to it. So uh, it's definitely, definitely growing. In terms of the balance of skills that you have to have as an athlete, outside of the obvious, you need to learn how to swim. What what are the most important elements when it comes to, to training? Is it the, the routines? Is it the strength? Is it the stamina? I mean, kind of what, when you are growing up in the sport and, and progressing up the ranks, are you really working on as a synchro swimmer? Uh, I would say artistic swimming is pretty unique because you need all the skills. (laughs) Like it's not, you can't even call it like a strength sport or cardio sport or because it's kind of a combination of all of them. You need a lot of cardio because you have to last for that whole three or four minutes, however long your routine is. Um, but it's also strength because you have to push yourself really high out of the water in like a moment. So you need power for that or um, the strength to sustain a certain height or to push um, your flyer up really high. Um, And everyone on a team kind of has their own unique skills, um, but everyone kind of needs a baseline of like strong legs to egg beater high, which is what helps us stay upright. And then you need endurance and strength in your arms for when you're upside down. Um, Yeah. And we all have different roles. Obviously we need flexibility, especially from our flyers. For me, my, um, what I bring to the team is I've got really strong legs. So I'm in this tight ball position upside down in the water and all the team is like grabbing me or grabbing each other. And then we all come up to the surface really fast and push the flyer out of the water. So the girls with strong arms are the ones kind of um, right side up pushing the flyer. And then I've got the powerful leg. So I'm upside down <laughs> pushing. It's yeah, a big effort of all these different skills coming together um, to form synchronized swimming. And how do you how do you work that out? Like on a team of eight, is it just a case of that all of a sudden we discover that you've got strong legs, Kirsten, you're going to be in this role? Does a coach say, okay, we're going to try this up? You maybe are more suited to this role. Like how does a coach work out who is 
best suited to each roles? And does that change a lot sort of maybe over a, a world championship or an Olympic cycle to try and sort of change up the team a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. The dynamic definitely changes depending on which girls are in the team that year. Uh, but it becomes fairly obvious as you start training together um, whose strengths are what. Um, and usually when we're working out a lift, we choose our spots based on the lifts and who's got the strength for what. So we... Um, we'll try different combinations of girls being like the chair, which is like the base and the flyer standing on top and who's pushing the chair and who's pushing with their legs and all that. So usually um, in a choreography session, we'll switch around and try a million different combos until we see what works best. Um, but yeah, to select the team, it's usually based on um, like, strength of the different movements in general so for our olympic trials we all swam the routine and the judges would judge based on who could blend in with the team the best like the moves and then also they would score us based on who was highest out of the water for the underwater movements and above the water when you're egg beatering um there's a lot that goes into it the egg beatering (laughs) (laughs) so that one's when you're like um basically treading water (laughs) yeah okay i can see it the egg beater i I like how that works i mean with it with the choreography when you're working out what a routine will be is it something that you practice on land first like is it is like the basics you kind of do this and that or is it something that you can't really do on land you got to jump straight into the water to be able to try it first um, I'd say it's best to choreograph. <laughs> now I'm tripping up on the same it's word. It's a weird word to say. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's best to choreograph in the water because you can really figure out what works and you need to figure out, oh, can we move that fast to this spot? Or um, sometimes our coaches will come out with really obscure ideas that you've got to try in the water to see if they work or like things that look like illusions with your legs. It's it's really interesting um, and kind of like a puzzle to figure out um, to choreograph a routine because you need certain girls here on this count and it's it just a lot goes into it. But then once we've got those moves choreographed, uh, sometimes we'll stand on land and land drill with our arms to figure it out and to really drill those moves into our head because memorizing a million moves on specific counts is a big part of our sport. Yeah, I can. I mean, this is this is just adding to those layers of the difficulties of of the sport because it's it's. I cannot remember anything for the life of me, let alone I'd be halfway through going shit. What do I do? Fuck. How do I know how to swim? Like Jesus. <laughs> like what's got what's going on? Because it's it's very counting based, isn't it? So in terms of the synchronized aspect of the sport, because you're not able to, I guess look what every girl around you is doing. It's all about oh. counting, isn't it? And kind of working out and hoping that everyone's doing the same thing, right? Oh, man. Yeah, Ben, like remembering the counts, the specific <laughs> counts is the bane of my existence. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare. And my coaches have been so patient with me over the years. <laughs> like it is, you have to be so fast. And all these girls are so smart. So <laughs> I think I make up for it with trying to be really high out of the water and powerful. Like once I legs. have these moves down, <laughs> yeah. But I, you feel like such a dummy sometimes. Like 
And it's so specific. Like, I think that's what people don't realize to look the same. Um, so much practice and repetition goes into it. And it's not just your arm goes on three. It's your arm goes on three, but it's at a 45 degree angle, not a 41 degree angle. And everyone's hands has to be in this position. Um, and your fingers need to be this far apart, not this far apart. <laughs> I mean, Jeez. I'm aware this is a podcast. So I wish I could show the listeners, but it's um such so specific how you hold your hands and your shoulders and where you're looking. Everyone needs to have the same facial expression and look at the judges. So I think that's when um when people start to understand that part of the sport, that's when it gets a lot more entertaining to watch too. And all artistic sports, I would say, are similar um, like that. And that's when it gets really entertaining. Like, ooh, that girl isn't um, doing that move the same as everyone else. Or she's higher, or she's lower. Or, yeah, that's when the artistic sports get very um, entertaining for me anyway. And it's also, you can't really talk to your teammates. This isn't rhythmic gymnastics where I'm sure you can say, like, hey, get in your position or, you know, like... <laughs> Synchronized diving where you can, I don't know, give a bit of a pump up before you're on, but like you kind of got a mouth full of water. So it's not like you can exactly spur someone on halfway through a routine if you, you're not doing well. So there's another added element to it that you hope everyone's kind of in unison and you're doing the right thing. Yeah, for sure. Every, every artistic sport, I'm sure that they've practiced it a million and one times. Like that's the key because yeah, you don't want to be talking to your teammate in a routine. There's no way that would fly at the Olympics. Um, <laughs> but how our sport works is we've got the music and we can hear the music underwater. And um, there's a beat that we have to keep track of and every move has a count. So we count usually in eights, sometimes sixes. Our free team at the Olympics had all sorts of weird counts, <laughs> which was... Wow. Another nightmare working that out, but it made the routine more interesting. Um, How do you remember it? Is it? Do you have a secret? Like, is there kind of like, do you work out a way of doing it for a different song, different competition, or is it literally just do what you can to try and remember it? The secret is practicing it eight hours a day, every day. <laughs> that makes <laughs> so sense, yes. <laughs> it's not a fun answer. I wish it was like we can communicate underwater like dolphins, but unfortunately <laughs> until we worked that tech out. or <laughs> Hey, I'd watch that um, <laughs> like as you, you're going under the water because, yeah, I, I mean, God, I, I can't remember the things at the best of times and, and let alone that, but eight hours a day. So how many times in a day then are you doing the same routine? Like in the lead up to Tokyo, could you give a rough estimate of how many times you had practiced those routines? I I don't think I can even answer that. Like it's, you want to, and we practice it all day, every day, and you still don't feel as prepared as you can be. Like you can always prepare more in artistic swimming. And that's what gets countries really high up in the rankings, just like, it becomes by the time you're swimming your routine in competition, it should be robotic. Like your muscles should just know what to do when that music comes on. Um, yeah, I don't like so many times a day. You're just practicing it on repeat. Um, 
And so that's another thing with cardio in the sport. Like people think, oh, you have to be fit enough to do that routine for four minutes. But no, you have to be fit enough to do that routine all day. Like sometimes you're not touching the wall much at all between um, repetitions. And uh, yeah, it's just got to be perfect. But that's when the good coaches come in too, because you'll be swimming the routine. And if it's not working, you'll hear the music stop and <laughs> sometimes yeah, your head's uh -oh. underwater yeah and you come up really slowly and you know it's been you that's made the mistake and you're just waiting to get yelled at but <laughs> that's wow. what you want that's what makes you better so yeah I mean, with the cardio aspect though of those eight hours is that all pool work i mean do you have specific time a day for gym work or any other sort of physical or cardio training outside of the water yeah, so in the lead up to the games, our day would be um, an hour, an hour plus of land in the morning, which really already isn't enough because we, in that hour, we do flex, um, we do land drills, um, we would do gym three times a week, two to three times a week. Um, so for like strength and conditioning stuff, you do uh, land like body weight SNC, which is a lot of like kicks and trying to incorporate flex and strength at the same time, because you need a lot of control on the land to have good control in the water. And in the off seasons, that's when we do a lot of that land-based um, strength. And then after that hour plus of land, we would get in and do maybe an hour of lap swimming um, to yeah, just get our swim strength up. And then we would get into routines and like, usually that's broken into doing technical skills. So um, doing like figures on the spot, which is when you move your legs upside down. And like, it's very specific for one of our routines, which is our technical routine. Um, you need to display really specific skills in a really specific way. So we'd practice that and then we would get into our routine portion where we'd just be doing, um, yeah, different. Our, our synchro routine is broken down into laps. So usually there's three or four laps in a routine and we would swim like sometimes a coach would say, all right, let's do half a lap um, or let's do lap by lap or thirds, or she would say, okay, let's do the whole thing. And then that's when everyone gets really nervous. Um, or sometimes she says, if the lift doesn't work, then we've got to, I'll start the music again and we've got to do another full. It just depends what wow. mood she's in. So, Jeez. but usually it's like the routine on repeat. Wow. Jeez. It's just, like, this is, this is why I was so interested to learn about this today, because it's just, it is all those elements and it's kind of just so, I don't want to use the word complicated, but I mean, it is complicated, but oh, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's fascinating because even when you're talking about there that I can imagine it's like figure skating or at least any of these artistic sports where as you're saying you've got to meet certain technical requirements, right? The judges are looking for a certain element. And is that because you've got the technical and then you've got a free routine, is that correct? And kind of the mm -hmm. slightly different. So the technical one is obviously more about ticking the boxes. You've got to achieve these certain things. And then the free, you've got a bit more leeway to kind of do a few more different things. Yeah, that's right. That You've done your research. You... Hey, look at me go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'd usually practice like tech and free within a day. Um, and yeah, they're very similar. The skills you need are similar, but 
uh, tech is more focused on those elements um, and pulling them off perfectly and not getting any penalties, whereas free is more about expression and portraying the music and portraying your strength and your, um, your yeah, all, <laughs> I don't know. I, I really enjoy tech because it's very specific what they're looking for. And then free is a little bit of everything. And how yeah. much does, with the music, for example, is there rules around what you can and can't use? Because I know, say, like, I think in figure skating for a long time, they weren't allowed to use lyrics. I think gymnastics have maybe just recently introduced lyrics. Is that a similar thing in artistic swimming that you can have certain songs, you can, you can't have lyrics? Does it depend on the competition? Kind of what, what are the rules around the music? Well, the beauty of synchro is you can get kind of as weird and wild as you want um, <laughs> with your routines and that will pay off with the judges. Um, but it is very specific what we look for because it's hard to explain, but you want music that's going to show off your ability in a good way. So it needs to be fast. A lot of the routines now on the world stage are just getting faster and faster. And that's the difference between the uh, high ranking countries and the lower ranking ones is can you pull off this really fast music and do a million movements, you know? Um, but then you also want something that's interesting to watch and um, can have different effects in it where you can show off cool choreography and really show the theme and show what you're trying to portray. So um, there's a lot that goes into it. And then obviously you don't want to offend the judges. It can be <laughs> sometimes old school. You don't want swearing or anything like I was that. Gonna say, well, I was going to say with the music, like I can see how that offends, but can you offend a judge in a routine? Like if halfway through you, like you do a flip, can you just flip them the bird and be like, this is for that crap <laughs> score you gave me in the technical, you bastards. Uh, I don't know if you'd want to do that, but could you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you could, but <laughs> you'd pay the price for sure. <laughs> you go viral online. You know, like, like check out what they, they, they did at the Olympics with that. I, I mean, when I'll, I'll send you our commentary. I, I, look, to be honest with you, we did so much commentary, I can't even remember what the hell we did. But we, we had fun <laughs> with it, the, the story element. We, we like to uh, sort of talk up what uh, you were all portraying as a story. But is that, is that actually a thing that when you're working out a routine, like, is there a story element? Like, are you, can you say, like, this is a theme of our routine, but we're going to tell the story of the, the Gold Coast mermaids and how we started and how we're at the Olympics or something along those lines? Oh, yeah, that is definitely. And that's what makes the sport so interesting and beautiful is, like, um, that you can, when you're looking at the different routines, you can see the story. Um, for example, our routine, uh, one of them was Avatar themes, like the last airbender. Nice. I don't know if hopefully some listeners have seen, watched that show. Um, yeah, hopefully. And yeah, it is kind of, we were trying to portray um, the battle between fire and water. And obviously all this stuff is up to everyone's own interpretation, but I found it really helpful as an athlete, like to really have that storyline in my head as I was doing it. And when you're kind of nervous before doing a routine or, um, worried about dying, which you never should be, but not dying, but <laughs> getting tired. Um, I try to bring back what I'm trying to portray in my mind and really think about what I'm doing and think about that storyline. And it really, you need to 
bring that out in your facial expressions as well. So that's a big part of choreographing a routine. We think about, oh, in this bit, we're going to be angry and we're going to do our eyebrows like this. Like, and then in this bit, oh, the um, water nation's coming back in. So we're going to show a really big smile and be really beautiful with the moves. And uh, you see that I, in a lot of routines, like usually um, one of my favorites was in worlds in 2017 mexico did like a circus themed routine and so wow. all their facial expressions were like clowns like really shocked faces <laughs> and um yeah everyone like portrays different storylines and i think that's a really fun part of the sport i'm so glad to hear that and particularly with the facial expressions because some of the best images i always get from olympics is when they do those montages and the slow-mos and you've <laughs> got like these slow-mos of like your faces and you're so like energetic and happy and then you've kind of got like as you were saying sort of shock looks and that and this, i don't know if this is a dumb question or not but like do you have to look in the mirror and practice facial expressions is this like a team bonding thing where you've all got to make sure you're all on point to know what facial expression you're pulling at each certain move yeah, no, that's a really good question. It's not dumb at all. That is um, a big part of our sport, like to look in the mirror and know exactly what you're doing and exactly what your teammates are going to be doing. Um, we liked to sit in a big circle and land drill in a circle. And what you have to do is like make eye contact with your teammate and um, not break at all, like, because you want to practice when you're looking at that judge to not break and really look at them and like, keep portraying the music. And it, it's almost like acting like you're staying in character while thinking about all these movements. Um, and yeah, you want to know exactly what your teammates are doing so that you're doing the same thing. It's insane. Like just the elements of this, the physical, the the technical, the acting. Like, I mean, there's just like there's everything involved in this. This is fascinating. And is it a case of on the acting side of things? Are you in character? As soon as you walk out, you're about to jump in the pool. The music's about to start. Because one of my favorite aspects of the sport is, is watching you all line up and the way you all get into the pool. It's kind of just like this amazing sort of, you know, movement before the thing even gets begun gun like just incredible so like are you hitting the floor music's about to start you're in character you're now the last airbender this is i'm not cursing i'm the last airbender i'm jumping in the pool right now <laughs> yeah so everyone's a bit different they have a different strategy um for me i love to get really into it but um i guess it's a balance because the sport it's so important about staying on time to the music so i can get really i'm a bit dramatic and i can get really carried away um with thinking oh i'm the last airbender i'm gonna do this be really strong and fast and like getting so into it i used to always listen to really hyped up music before i compete too um <laughs> but then i don't know through practicing that method at competitions like local comps not big ones i'd realized <laughs> that i get a bit too into it <laughs> and I need to <laughs> rein all that energy in a bit so for me I just try to do deep breaths and focus on myself and staying on the music and on the counts and what I'm gonna do um everyone's different some girls need to get into character more and um get really hyped up so that they can do the routine with energy um I found it really helpful before my competition. I needed to practice by myself walking out on the stage. And I would just say to myself, like, I'm the most confident person in the world. Like, I've got this. Like, and people thought I was crazy. Like, I would walk out on the stage, like, kind of by myself, like, with my shoulders back, like, practicing my synchro walk just because 
that's what I needed to feel really confident. And everyone has those little ticks or little things that they need to do before they compete. Um, yeah, so for me, it's about bringing that energy in. In practice, I practice being in character and all of that. And then when it comes to comp day, I need to rain all that energy in and <laughs> focus. And yeah, but some of my teammates, my um, one of my uh, good friends who competed in Rio, uh, she used to pretend she was Wonder Woman <laughs> for wow. her routine. As that was really should. cool. Come I mean, on. we sound mad, but uh, <laughs> synchronized swimmers are mad. It's, <laughs> it's a weird sport. <laughs> is, is there is there something that you would like to do as a routine? Like if you're a big fan of, I don't know, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, anything along those lines that you would like to in, incorporate something along those lines into a routine? Oh, uh, that's such a good question. I've gotten to do like so many routines now uh, like over my career so I've got to do a lot of cool things but I think the only one left I would love to do a Star Wars theme routine because yes. I love the cantina band music like yes. I'm not a- <laughs> oh yes please do it absolutely I'd love to do that that would be perfect yes <laughs> right wouldn't that be so cool and I could just already see the legs like kicking everywhere yes. for that so wow. I, I'd want to do it on a club level too, because then it could be something really fun. Like, yeah. And like a club level combo, have lots of lifts. And I, I would love to see a girl like come out of the water slowly as Darth Vader. <laughs> yes. Hey, there you go. And then like, you could add the talking element to it. You could have the no, like, as they come up, like, <laughs> where's Padme? What happened to Padme? The girl killed her in her rage. And like, again, <laughs> it would go viral. That would go absolutely viral. Yeah, I think you've got to come uh, choreograph this with us, hey. or we could do mixed duet. <laughs> yeah, hey, absolutely. I, I'm I'm down. You know, you you can be Padme, I can be Vader, and then we can get somebody else to come in and, and be Palpatine. You know, get Obi Wan involved. Baby Yoda's probably <laughs> got to be in there to to keep up with the trends. So, you know, hey, Paris 2024. Uh, you know, I'm always trying to <laughs> I'm always trying to find ways to get into the Olympics at some point. Kurt. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a bit older than you, but it can happen at some point, surely. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. Absolutely <laughs> I can feel down. my coach rolling her eyes at me from here. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, it's I'm all down. about getting eyes to the sport. All right, I'm telling you that that would uh, that would happen down the line with that. When it, you're sort of working your way up the ranks, I believe you were selected as a reserve for the the 2017 World Championships. Went to the 2019 World Championships. Was there a point sort of in that period where? you really felt that this was achievable. And then do you, on sort of a side question to that, do you remember when you were officially announced, you were on the team, you were going to the Olympics and kind of what that feeling was like? Yeah, so that was really cool. I think it was when I got selected for the team in 2019 that I felt like, oh, wow, this dream is something I can do. Um, Yeah, so my goal going into the 2019 trials was to rank in the top eight for both routines. And when that happened, I just broke down and cried. I was <laughs> so excited um, because 2017 was such an incredible experience. Um, but it is, it's hard to be a reserve. You have to remember so much and be there for your team. And you don't get that final release of um, showing off your routine. So uh, when I got selected in 2019, I was so excited and ready to um 
honor that selection by working really hard on the team. Um, so that's when I kind of felt like it was a reality. Um, and then for Olympic trials, I got nervous all over again. And I think it's really easy to doubt yourself, but you, you can't in this sport. You have to be so confident. Um, so I did. I had a lot of different feelings going on leading up to the trials. But um, yeah, then eventually after the trials, I was sitting. I The day we found out that we were we knew we were going to get an email to tell us whether or not we made it. Um, and we knew it was coming in the afternoon. So all day I was just like pacing around the house. My dad made me like help him build furniture to like distract <laughs> myself. Um, and then yeah, <laughs> it was like the time <laughs> that the email was coming in and he was like making me help him build this cupboard or something. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it's like, dad, no, like, Build this cupboard. No, yeah. I need to find out if I'm going to build this cupboard or you're not going to the Olympics. That 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 sounds like some weird compromise. <laughs> yeah. He was like trying to distract me, I think, but then I got I opened the email and then I yeah, everything was just so exciting. Um yeah, and then I I called my partner over and I got to call my um like my relatives and my mom and tell them the news and it was so exciting. So I remember that night, I think um, I did a shoey. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Went out a little bit. Oh, and uh, I, I behaved myself because I was going to be an Olympian, but it was fun. <laughs> now, now was, that, was that Daniel Ricciardo based or was that just Australian based? Like, you know, I know Daniel Ricciardo made it a little bit more famous, but all Australians have done a shoey at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was just a weird, so many weird emotions going on in that moment. So, yeah. Now, was this, think- pre- was this pre-COVID? Was this like before the games were postponed or was this after the games were postponed? Oh, it was. So we had heard about COVID, but no one knew it was going to be such a big thing. I right. have a photo from that night where there was a glowing Corona sign. And I was like, ha ha, like I took a photo with that sign. It was <laughs> like, so We've all, we all it turned did out that. not to be that funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we were really lucky actually because our team was selected and um, we were announced onto the team officially a couple days before everything went into lockdown and it all went kind of haywire. So, um, wow. Which must be mixed emotions then because, I mean, we all remember that confusing time, particularly around the Olympics. Australia were the, what, the second nation to basically say, no, we're not going. And at that point, obviously, we didn't know if the Olympics were going to be going ahead or, or postponed, ultimately postponed. So, I mean, that must have been a bit of a weird feeling to think that these Olympics could go ahead. You've made the Olympics, but you might not get to compete because Australia said, no, we're not going. Yeah, yeah, that was hard. Um, yeah, it was kind of crazy, but it... It was all worth it in the end. I actually think for our team, it ended up being for the best. Um, I always try to see the positive in things and look on the bright side. And all you can do in that situation is just focus on yourself and what you can do. So that's what I did. And that's what the team did. And it gave us more time to practice and come together as a team. And um, throughout that year, some changes happened on the team where different girls uh, realized they couldn't commit to that timeline anymore or um, 
things came up, but I think in the end it all turned out for the best because we ended up with a strong team that really wanted to be there and wanted to fight for it. And um, we ended up getting a really um, great coach to lead us into Tokyo. So an extra time to practice. It, it all turned out for the best, um, but it was a really wild journey. Which then begs a question, how do you train when COVID's happening, when lockdowns are in place? You obviously, I guess, can't all go on Zoom and sit in the bathtub and pretend to train. I mean, I, I can imagine of all the sports to train in a COVID lockdown, artistic swimming is probably one of the hardest ones that you can't really do much. Yeah, definitely. That was the hard part. Um yeah, I got a little taste of what it was like not to swim in the water every day. And that was weird. <laughs> I went through days where I was feeling crazy and then days where it was kind of nice. <laughs> um, but eventually, as soon as we could, we all moved to Canberra to kind of, we said if there was a lockdown, at least we could lock down all together. Um, so we moved to the Australian Institute of Sport where we could like just train together. There were, um, there was a period where we were all on zoom um, when we didn't know if the Olympics was going ahead and we would do like land-based training and then just go to our local clubs. But that was really hard as a national team. You can't really train, like you can't get that synchronization aspect. So that was all about just keeping our fitness up and focusing on ourselves and, the skills we needed to do. I learned a lot about um, myself and like what I needed as an athlete. So I think that was the benefit that came out of that. Um, like, because in this sport, we're so prone to injury. Um, I use that time to really work with physios and um, learn about myself and what I needed to improve going into the long training camps. So for example, I sometimes would get back issues um, that could be quite bad. So a benefit of COVID was I got a lot of time to work on my glutes and work on like my hip strength and things like that um, and my ab strength. And I got to time to work on that every day. Um, and so then leading into the camps uh, training for the games, I didn't have any back issues, which was like, a miracle. So that was really good. Um, I guess a benefit that came out of that individual COVID training is we could use it to work on things we needed to do as individuals. I always love hearing from our guests on the show, particularly the, the team aspect of it, the, the team bonding side of things. And I'd be intrigued to see how that helps in artistic swimming because going back to my point about how, you know, you're not in the middle of a routine and you're talking and kind of spurring on, you kind of you're almost all doing your own thing as a team in some aspect, but how important is that bonding? Like how important is going out for a drink one night or sitting around watching Netflix? I, I don't know, whatever you sort of are doing to, to bonding to kind of help that team element between all eight of you. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question because the cohesiveness of the team is such a big part of our sport I guess because you need to you don't all have to be best friends but you need a good working relationship um you need to feel I think the most important part is buy-in from all your teammates so you need to know that if your teammate gets a correction they're going to take that correction on board and work really hard to look the same as everyone else um and so I guess 
Yeah, over the years, some of my teammates have become my best and closest friends. I've been really lucky to have that. Um, and then for our Olympic team, it <laughs> it's difficult because we're training eight hours a day together and living together. It's nonstop. You're seeing these people in the highest stress environment, like, um, so it's kind of, it's interesting. Everyone has their days and their up and downs, but you learn to work with people so well. And at the end of the day, um, we're teammates and you're always there to support each other. So, um, that was really nice. I think you learn what different people's moods and triggers are. <laughs> and you also learn how to cheer people up or how to be cheered up by your teammates. Or so, sometimes just piss off, leave me alone. I oh, need a day to yeah, myself. Definitely. <laughs> I'm sick of your face. <laughs> That's the most important is you can see when a teammate does not want to be spoken to. <laughs> is, is, there, is, there like a, is there like a thing though, like are you all renowned for – I don't know, going, playing laser tag. You're, you're all a bunch of, you know, artistic swimmers are the biggest party animals. Like hit the, hit the club <laughs> on a Saturday night and turn up Canberra. Like, I mean, is there kind of a, a thing that you sort of all did together? Uh, actually, uh, in summer, on some of the camps, um, <laughs> we all watched The Bachelor together. So that hey, was really fun. Bonding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great bonding thing. Um I mean, I think we all like to go out for a drink, but in the lead up to the games, we tried to stay pretty healthy and focused. <laughs> Can't imagine a hangover helps in the sport. Yeah, maybe in my younger days, I like <laughs> would try wow. that for club. How old did you say good. you were? 23? I have a 23 year old on the show saying in my younger days. Jeez, Kirsten, wow. Uh, well, it's just like a hangover on a synchro training camp is impossible. Like you cannot do that. Coach, coach might be stopping that music a few more times. You mentioned the injuries. I'd be actually intrigued to find out, like, is it common that all of a sudden you're in the middle of a routine and somebody fucks up and you get kicked in the face? Or like I can imagine that sometimes if you mistime something, you've got flailing limbs and everything and you can get a couple of bloody noses every now and then. Yeah, well, um, actually, concussion is one of the most common injuries in our wow. sport, um, and it's really serious. So that's that's hard. Like for me on my Olympic journey, I did uh, have to get through one concussion, and that was um, kind of the most difficult injury I've ever had because it affects you so much mentally and it's hard because there's not anything physically there that you can see, but it does affect you. Like um, I couldn't look at my phone at one point without the letters kind of jumbling. It, it, it's really weird. Um, so that's a big one. And quite a few girls have had that on, on the team, but there's all sorts of weird injuries in artistic swimming. Like a lot of people, their inner knees will hurt from all the treading water or, um, hamstring injuries from stretching that happens when you're a bit younger um yeah all sorts of weird and wild things pop up but i guess that's with any sport yeah it's, I mean, it's always fascinating to hear the concussion side of things because i think yeah we were talking about that in yeah with our rhythmic gymnast athletes that that was something that they had experienced too and it's kind of you, you think about concussion in sport you don't often think about these artistic sports as a, a concussion-based sport but i mean i can see how that would be happening and, and particularly oh, yeah. dangerous if you get knocked out in the middle of a routine, not good in the water. 
Yeah, well, you're throwing a girl as high as you can in the air, and then she's landing. So, yeah. like, and the thing is, with these lifts, you have to be so close to the surface and so close together that it doesn't take much for someone to land in the wrong spot or, like, yeah, you're under the water kicking. Um, everyone has been kicked in the back of the head hard in their career. Like, it's wow. it's just something that's inevitable. Um and you have to just get on with it and keep swimming. But obviously there are times when concussions happen that you just can't. Yeah. It's like going. finding Nemo, just keep swimming, right? That's, that's the motto. For, <laughs> yeah, for that is the motto. <laughs> for everyone there. Just on that too, is there a peak age? Like, is it say gymnastics where sort of as you progress through your teens and then you get to your early twenties, like, are you now considered Kirsten a, a veteran, like in terms of the sport or is it kind of a sport where you can keep sort of going and it's, it's not necessarily that age based? Um, it depends. So I would say the, some of the more established countries, they peak a little bit older, like um, in their mid to late 20s and then that's kind of the cutoff i mean there are 30 year olds plus yes. synchronized swimmers Good, i'm in with a chance thank <laughs> you thank you for saying that <laughs> which is awesome but uh yeah they're a rare incredible breed <laughs> um and then yeah other countries i would say you see a lot of girls drop off um as they finish high school and then the ones who are really serious uh, continue into their early to mid twenties. So it just depends. And it depends on the support of the Federation as well, because it's hard in our sport in Australia. Like you don't get paid to be an athlete, which is fine because I love this sport so much. Like um, I, most girls here do it for the love of the sport, but um, it, you do find girls start to finish in their early to mid twenties, just because you need to sort of, um, build a future for yourself and support yourself. You can't be an athlete forever. So, um, that's a big part of it too. It's always interesting to, to look at anybody who goes to an Olympics. Cause I guess people automatically would assume you're an Olympian, you're, you're rich, you're, you know, you're, you're doing this cause you make it to the Olympics, but yeah, there's obviously a lot of these sports where kind of that's just not the case. I mean, for every Ariane Titmus and kind of, you know, Kate Campbell, who can easily probably make a living off their careers, uh, yeah, it's it's obviously the other side of things. So do you are you working sort of full-time then when you're not training eight days a week, you know, in the lead-up to, to an Olympics? And how is that balancing, I guess, a, a work, a study life with sort of training when you maybe not that close to a competition? Yeah, well, um, we have been lucky, like we've had a few sponsors who have been super generous and helped us. And um, also like each state has different funding. So the Queensland Academy of Sport and um, has helped us. And then th there's been some outside sponsors that have been super generous. Um, so yeah, I have to definitely acknowledge them. Um, you can but shout out if you want to, if, you, if you're allowed to kind of <laughs> plug the sponsors, by all means, go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure who I'm allowed to um, to mention, but... Um, all of them. Yeah, all of them are great. <laughs> just we'll yeah, say exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. We'll leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's definitely like I've been super lucky throughout this whole journey to be supported 
by my family, by like parents and grandparents who have helped me out so much. Um, because there's no way I could afford to like live out of home um, and afford groceries and my life as well as all the training fees um, and the stuff that goes into that. Um, and I've always had like odd, like part-time jobs. I've had a, I've worked a million weird jobs because you kind of um, have to find jobs that will be supportive of your career as an athlete as well. Um, it's really hard with Synchro because we have to be all together. So as soon as you find a job, um, you have to be prepared to tell that job like, oh, by the way, next month, um, I'm probably going on a month long camp, but I don't know when, or, um, <laughs> like wow. you just have to cope with me going away. So I've done like every weird job under the sun. Like what's the weirdest, I, <laughs> what's the weirdest you've had? One summer, this was a fun job, but I got to work as a mermaid in SeaWorld. So, wow, that's yeah. not weird. That's awesome. Uh, that's like the amazing. best job ever. Come on. <laughs> like, did you actually get to like swim with dolphins and stuff? Or Yeah. Well, I jumped in the tank, um, the shark tank, and swam wow. okay. with, the, with the great nurse sharks. Um, so that just, was really cool. And with the stingrays. Were you told to or did you just thought this would be cool? I might just try this today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I did get hired to do it. I didn't just rock up Right, there. it wasn't just like a, I, I swim at the mermaid, so I might just try this. Like I technically am a mermaid. Hey, sharky, let's get in the water. Like it wasn't just a Thursday yeah. or something like that. that that's incredible. Wow. That was my best, most incredible job. Yeah, for sure. That's that's so. that, that seems like a seamless transition, though. Olympic artistic swimmer straight into SeaWorld. Like, I feel like the SeaWorld crew should be waiting for you off the plane when you come from Tokyo. Going, all right, <laughs> who's going to Paris? You're not, you're not, you're not. You're hired, you're hired, you're hired. Uh, yeah, like, right? That's, well, that's natural. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to them. I'm available if they want me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was fun. We brought lots of kids into the park that season. Um, but wow. I, you also have to do a lot of, like, not glamorous jobs. Like, I've done lots of um different hospitality like uh random cleaning jobs i oh i've i've coached kids like uh recreational sports so that's tied in well to my synchro career and uh that that's been really fun i i love any coaching job has been great well <laughs> and you've then, got plenty of opportunity i feel going yeah synchro synchro swimmers perform a lot one time uh we were flown out to the outback to, to <laughs> do a show so that wait, was really wait, cool wait wait like actual outback like where there's no yeah. water how does that happen oh like the swimming pool in the right outback. okay i thought you're like you're gonna be shoved next to uluru and go all right perform it's like there's no water <laughs> like what are you talking about wow yeah That's... synchro takes you amazing places so jeez cool. see elements to this this is this is insane what was in terms of the olympic experience you know outside of the competition getting to Tokyo, getting to the village, the uniform, um, not sure if you're able to do the opening ceremony or not. I mean, things like that, like kind of do you soak it all in? Are you kind of taking it all in when you're walking around or are you that focused on competition that it was something that maybe once you were done, you kind of soaked in a little bit more of that Olympic atmosphere? Yeah, it was um, – I really – it's a balance. Um, but when I was there, I it felt really special immediately. Like it was kind of like a dream. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess everything was amazing. Like getting the uniform was really special for me because, um, being like an Aussie Canadian, actually getting the uniform, um, the Australian uniform, I felt 
Australian in that moment. So that was really cool for me and being a part of the Australian village. Like I just, I'm proud to be Canadian, but I also um, have lived in Australia for so long that I do feel Australian. So I was, once I got the uniform, I'm like, yep, it's official. Like I'm undeniably Australian. I'm competing for my country. Like, yeah, this is it. I'm an Aussie girl now. (laughs) And then it's just cool seeing all the amazing athletes walking around and it's kind of like everyone is so interested in each other because everyone's so cool in the Olympic village. Like you just want to know what sport everyone's doing. And obviously everyone loves the food. The dining hall was like, (laughs) you could have anything you wanted at any time of the day. Um, Did you have a favorite? Was there something that you kept going back to? Um, well, on the last day I got to go a bit crazy and I had lots of (laughs) unlimited sushi, but before that I was so nervous. I would just have the weirdest food combos of anything that I could like stomach. Like I would eat little (laughs) bits of tofu or just stuff like that. It, It was kind of hard to eat before my comp, but, oh, actually I would say the highlight was getting to interact with like the other, uh, high level synchronized swimmers and like the Russian team came up to us in the change room one day and the Russia is like the best of the best, um, in our sport. They're incredible and very intimidating (laughs) because they just work so hard. Um, even though when you're at these comps, you have to, you decide like, um, I'm top shit too. Like (laughs) (laughs) you have to have confidence in yourself, but, um, every country looks up to Russia and uh, one of the girls came up to us one day and she was like, we really like your music. And we were like, us? <laughs> and then they started like <laughs> dancing to Tokyo Drift in the shower, wow. like with us. And that was like highlight of my life. Like Jeez. that was a cool moment. Kind of, even though we're so from such different cultures and have had such different lives, we can like connect through our love of the sport and connect over music so that was really cool that's a great story though because i can't think of many other sports where that's going to happen i mean the calgary flames aren't going to go into edmonton oilers rooms after a game and be like hey you did well today great song let's all dance in the shower together that's not gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) that's so true that would be a sight all these hockey players (laughs) yeah yeah but the synchro community is just so beautiful because yeah, we all have such a love of the sport like that. Like we can all connect through that, which is really cool. Is Was there a, a goal when you go into the competition as a team? Uh, you mentioned before beating Egypt. Was it beat Egypt? Uh, was it we want to get a certain score? Was it we want to finish in a certain place? And I guess based on the results and how you went, sort of how did you all leave Tokyo feeling? Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think everyone had a different goal depending on where they were in their synchro career. Um, For me, because it's a sport where it's not an individual sport, which makes is a great thing usually, but it makes it hard sometimes for um, goal setting because a lot of things are out of your control. Um, And there was so many hurdles with COVID. So going into the games, my main goal was I wanted a really proud swim. I wanted a swim I could walk away and um, show my friends and family um, and swim with pride. So I'm really happy to say that um, 
I got that. And it's hard for me. I think all athletes are super self-critical. So like, it's still hard for me to ever watch my swim and just enjoy watching it. Um, I don't think I'll ever be able to do that because you're always watching things that you could have done better. But I am proud of what we put out um, in Tokyo. And so I'm I'm glad to say that we got our goal. Um, I think, though, the country um, overall, our goal is to beat Egypt. And we're working on that. And I'm really excited to see what's coming next. I think the country is just getting stronger and stronger. And um yeah, I think we're getting closer to that goal, but that's the next step. How 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 mental based can it be? Can you kind of put Egypt off? So could you like go into the change room and instead of being all nice like the Russians and be like, oh, we like your music, could you just walk in there just before they're about to perform and be like, your music shit, and then just like walk out and then like put them <laughs> off their game to like really get that mental advantage? <laughs> that's it. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> That's funny to think about. It is It is a mental sport. I, I think like Australia, I love Team Australia because we always try to be really great sportsmen and um, yeah, compete with pride. So we don't like to do those things too much. Um, we try to always just stay really friendly. And if anything, sometimes that puts your team, your competitors off too is like, they'll be glaring at you like uh, from the other side of the pool and you just walk past them and say, Hey, how are you? Like, you know, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, but we did find, so at worlds in 2019, um, Egypt, uh, sorry, New Zealand were our main rivals and they tried to play all these like silly uh, games, like typical when- Kiwis. yeah like when our music time was on they came to the pool specifically like they their music time wasn't then at all and they just sat in the front in the um stadium or whatever like sitting there watching and we just ignored them we were like whatever let let them watch um let them play these games and (laughs) kind of wear themselves out with this um, and we did, and then like, and then we they were there, watching so. you at the Olympics because they didn't qualify. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. Like some of those girls on that team are great, but when they did that, I was like, oh, competition's <laughs> on. Like, <laughs> I love you the watch sass. Us. This is great. This is this is what I what yeah. I love about it. Kind of it it works that way too. But is there you mentioned sort of when the Russians came to? Is there like the Michael Phelps? of artistic swimming is there like one athlete that you know you all want to be one or you see like if they walked into the room you would like your jaw would drop like oh, I, I want to get a selfie with them I want to meet them oh yeah like there are so many athletes like that uh the most decorated um uh artistic swimmer her name's Svetlana <laughs> I can't pronounce it as well as the Russians can but <laughs> um whenever we see her we're like oh my god and um she used to do a duet uh with another Svetlana so there was like wow Svetty and Svetty and they would do like a duet and (laughs) it was like amazing or um there's uh this Spanish athlete and she's um her name's Ona Carbonell and uh she's incredible like she's a soloist but she's also done duets at the olympics and she came back uh this year after she gave birth and then wow kept training and was just amazing and now she went to the olympics as a mother which is it's been done before um but that's just so inspiring and 
great. It's always amazing. It's always amazing when any female athlete is able to come back as a mother. But I can imagine, yeah, artistic swimming is one of these ones where it's adds even more challenges to it after what it could have, what it does to your body essentially through that process. Oh yeah, they're like. It's just cool. Women are incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can absolutely. Bounce exactly. back and yeah, have a kid and then go dominate in the pool. Like that's just so cool to see. <laughs> is it, now is this Svetlana Romashina? Am I seeing the right person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> I'm seeing here she's, seven Olympic gold me. medals, 21 world championship gold me- I mean, I'm looking here, according to at least this Wikipedia page, she's won 43 medals at major competitions. All of them are gold. I mean, mm-hmm. God sakes, Michael Phelps has won a few silvers and bronze in his career. Like, this woman doesn't know what any other colour is besides gold. This is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are just, like, nuts. It's it's crazy. And, yeah, um, I guess in artistic swimming, like, you you kind of you kind of know who's gonna medal before you go, but and a lot of people sit back and say, "Oh, that's bias." But when you see them in the pool, you see like they show you that they deserve it. Um, you really see it. Um, so that's that's incredible. <laughs> it's what it's what. Sort of dominance in sport has its pros and cons, but at the end of the day, if, if you've got that ability to be able to witness greatness, you know, we're going to be talking about those achievements in 20, 30 years' time, aren't we? So it's kind of – and you had the uh, the honour of being in that same pool as they are. So, I mean, you got to compete at the, the peak competition for your sport with the peak athletes of the time. So, I mean, you, that's something you can tell the grandkids about one day. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, like – it it's just it's been so special like um we got to see the duet get like receive the russian duet get their gold medal and like i just it was pinching myself like oh my god i'm here like watching the best athlete in the world get gold what is this and like it, it was amazing and maybe that's not the right mindset for an athlete like maybe i should be like why aren't why aren't we there? Like, you know, but I just, I don't see it that way. I, I think a lot of synchronized swimmers, like, yeah, we're working hard to climb the ranks, but we can just appreciate, um, other swimmers talent and beauty so much that it's just, it's a rewarding thing to see, see other athletes who have worked so hard, um, and been hand selected <laughs> at like six. It's amazing to see them excel and all of that pay off. Yeah, for sure. I'm seeing here too that she's uh, Svetlana's two years younger than me. Uh, seven Olympic gold medals, um, yet to get one. So oh, it's plenty of time. Uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Now, uh, before we, we close out with a series of sort of fun questions, Kirsten, a couple other things I just want to quickly touch on. You mentioned sort of the duet aspect of it. Is there you know, are you kind of picked more so to be in the, the team or can you kind of alternate? Could you all of a sudden be with one of your teammates go, hey, we're pretty good together. Let's try out for the duet. Or is that a, a coaching thing that, you know, focus on the team, don't do both? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a thing. It's it's different for everyone. So, like, um, for me, it was, like, my first games and uh, I just felt confident as a team athlete. And I think it was more obvious like to the coaches and stuff that that's where I'm suited uh, for the games. But um, I've done lots of amazing duets throughout um, my career on like more of a national level. Um, And that's been incredible. Uh, 
the yeah it just depends like I think you look at the team um and you need to see who matches together really well like who has the same type and length of legs um that's a big deal and then who can sync really well um (laughs) synchronize I mean (laughs) the type and length of legs like is that just a case of you just have to like the coaches measure you like okay your your legs are the same or they fit together how does that work well, you're watching all day, right? They're watching these girls swim. And um, so it becomes really obvious who would be a good match. Um, and yeah, the girls who did the duet at Tokyo, um, I think they, coronavirus made it a little bit more complicated. They needed um, girls who were experienced and had been together. Um, so yeah, the there it's different it's kind of confusing uh some years there's like duet trials sometimes they just select it from the team um it's always different uh this year we had uh in 2019 we had girls trial for the duet um and then one of the girls retired so um they brought in a duet reserve who was selected from the olympic team and she um they matched well. Yeah. So it just depends, but synchro duets are usually who looks really good together. Like they could be a mirror image of each other. Speaking of looking good, you showed me before the interview, you had your, your costumes behind you. And I mean, looks, looks absolutely amazing. Are they handcrafted? Because I I can imagine (laughs) that the work that gets put into any of the costumes is a lot of effort. And I mean, how important is that when it comes to designing? Like, how much is of a say? Because I can imagine that as a performer, you kind of want to kind of have a say in how amazing you guys are going to look out there in the pool during an Olympic Games. Yeah, that's such a good question. So, like, um, our swimsuit designer um, listened to the music or we kind of told her the themes that we had in our mind. So, like, for our avatar routine, she purposely did, like, a fire and water sort of um design and sometimes we try to incorporate like Australian colors as well so that's what we did with our technical routine um yeah it doesn't actually affect the score the togs but you want to look good and you need togs that are like um it is important that they're the right cut so you want them to be cut high on your hips so that when you're doing a body boost you can show as much skin out as possible and it's always a perk if there's like skin color near your hips too because then the judges in that split second of the moment might be like oh is she that high like it's hard to tell and I always in training um hike my togs up too if I'm doing like if I know the coach is really going to be watching me, I'll like give myself a bit of a wedgie. Hey, <laughs> and you're not like, pulling it out, so it may as well be up there at the yeah. beginning. <laughs> Go for it. High neck helps as well because it shows and um, it makes you look like you're egg beatering higher out of the water. Um, yeah, there's a lot to that. And then obviously there's like, a million sequins on our togs too. And I have no patience. I am like not patient for all that like girly stuff. So <laughs> I've had, I, it's been so nice. My mom loves sequining togs. So over the years, she's sequenced so many beautiful swimsuits. Like I've always had the most stunning sequins because of her. Um, a couple of times I've had to do it <laughs> because I need to grow up and just do my own. Right. But, um, <laughs> I have been like, sometimes you iron on these little crystals and I get so frustrated. Like one day I 
was ironing on these little crystals and I was like watching a movie with my um, partner and I <laughs> bumped the ironing board and the crystals I'd spend an hour placing before I'd oh, iron no. them down just went everywhere oh, no. and I just started yelling at these stupid togs like <laughs> and I was just like, your partner's gone um but need to go somewhere for uh, the next 10 minutes uh. yeah and my oh he's so amazing he was like what's wrong like he came and then next thing I know I'm sitting on the couch watching the movie and my boyfriend is like ironing on these <laughs> hey he's there so you go amazing. that's the t- you, let's let's be honest guys you did it deliberately to test him you're like okay right. let's see how good he is uh, oops oh i knocked the crystals over oh i'm upset i might sit down and have a rest oh do you want to try he did a really good job too like almost too good i should ask him to do it all the time but um he was really proud too because then when he saw um me compete he was like i did those crystals you did that he, it was part of that part of the olympic journey do they yeah. fall off in the pool do they have to be a certain type of glue or sewing so they don't fall off um, well, at the end of a synchro comp, <laughs> it's funny if it's a local comp, I usually like to dive in because you can find a bunch of nose clips on the bottom that have wow. fallen off for free. So I usually go nose clip diving at the end of like a nationals or and whatever. And you want to use them? Are they other people? Have they not been up by other people's noses though? Like- oh, they sit on the, they sit on the top. So it's right. fine. But okay. when you're down there, you notice a lot, the pool is usually pretty shiny. Um, I, <laughs> You get like glue that's really strong or like you sew the sequence on really tight, but obviously you're like, it's a lot of stuff happening. So uh, sequins always fall off <laughs> or your oh, hair falls out. That's a big part of our sport too. Because like it's, I don't know if this is an awkward question, but like it's with the slow-mo and you're saying about how you kind of like you're watching yourself and you kind of, because like, <laughs> The one thing I will say for the slow-mo aspect of it, though, is it can give some awkward angles. And with what you're wearing, it's kind of a bit like, oh, okay. Like, we like it's kind of – it's like whenever you see the slow-mo of water polo, they're always focused on, like, the underwater thing when, like, the athletes, like, grabbing at each other's, like, areas just to kind of put them off. So it's – I can imagine sometimes watching it, you go, oh, okay, well, the costume could have maybe not ridden that high in that aspect. Like, a bit awkward angles sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not embarrassed by that stuff – I just kind of embrace, like, I, I'm so, so used to it now being, like, captured on camera at every <laughs> angle in the most unflattering positions. I'd say synchro definitely isn't a sport as great on, like, um, on camera, like, photos of the sport. You always get weird athlete faces or water flying out of your mouth, like, um, I love synchro so much more on video <laughs> than photographs. <laughs> they're the fun ones. It's kind of like when they had that um, meme that happened many years ago where it was divers' faces mid-dive and, and they literally would sit them on a toilet because their faces were so, like, <laughs> it looked so awkward. But I, I sometimes think that's fun. Particularly, like, the cool with the water, though, like when the slow-mo, those super slow-mos they have on the video, yeah. right, when the water is, like, screaming off your hair, like, it looks <laughs> awesome. So true. I'm so proud because... um. At the end of the games, I guess people go through all the Getty images to like mm-hmm. make memes. Um, and I became a meme. I oh, <laughs> feel nice. like I'd made it in life. It, there was the most awkward photo. They like took an aerial shot of a lift. And so because I'm um, 
like underneath the lift kind of peering out you could see my face and everyone else looked so beautiful and normal like pushing for this lift and my face was stretched so long wow. it looked off so I got it like appeared on all these like meme accounts on Instagram and like that's one of those moments you could choose to be embarrassed but I just chose to have a laugh about Becoming it. Becoming like- a meme in 2021 <laughs> is like the goal right? Yeah. Like that's what you want. See I, I need to see this I think you need to share yeah, it. We'll put I'll, it on our account. We need to. I'll send it to you. All these strangers, um, not strangers, but people I went to high school with or whatever, who I haven't spoken to in years were sending it to me. They're like, is this you? And I'm like, oh God, yes. Like, <laughs> That's crazy. You train all your life, right? And then you get the most seen for having like this morphed <laughs> double chin face. <laughs> like... Eight hours a day, like months <laughs> of endless training. You make an Olympic Games and all people remember you for is a face. So... Yeah, exactly. Like this alien shot, but I'll send it to you. I- I'm proud of it now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's that's the main thing. And before we get to these questions as well, the standard stock standard question I've got to ask every athlete on this show that's come from Tokyo, Paris 2024. Is it on the cards? Is it something you're looking towards or is it something you, you're not even thinking about right now? Um. So yeah, while I'm like madly in love with this sport and it's going to the Olympics was the best experience of my life, hands down. Um, I think synchro is something that you should be all in or don't do it. Like, I think I've given it some time, but I'm just, I'm ready to um, start doing other things with my life. Like um, to continue doing uni, I'm six years into a three-year degree. So I'm really, (laughs) and while I think there's no rush and synchro doing sport is definitely worth it. Um, I'm just ready to move on to some of those goals in my life now and to maybe do some coaching and, um, yeah, I get some more weird and wild part-time jobs, but my synchro journey isn't over. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Exactly. SeaWorld call me. (laughs) So, so what, what are then, what's studying? What, what, what sort of is, is the hope that kind of, uh, whatever you're studying right now, what, what would you like to sort of push towards? Uh, I'm doing a public health degree, which became nice. very relevant in very 2020. Much so. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'd love to graduate from that. Um, and then I want to move on to um, speech pathology. I'd love to do a master's of that and become a speech pathologist or maybe um, work in the public health sector for a few years first. We'll just see where life takes me kind of. Um, and then Obviously, I want to like keep coaching. Like, I want to coach at a recreational level. <laughs> kids are just, I love coaching like the tiny kids, like how to do the most basic synchro skills. I think it's really special to pass on that kind of stuff and they just make your day so interesting they're so funny <laughs> well um, uh, you could be useful then for this show moving forward to so speech you can help us talk and learn how to say things on this show and then also yeah my my synchro journey so uh, i'll get you out of retirement <laughs> again to do that star wars theme for, yeah uh, yeah i'm looking forward to a star for, wars for, for, <laughs> for paris uh now as i said we wrap up every interview with a series of kind of fun get to know you questions now these are actually off 
a Team Canada website. So we, before Rio and Pyeongchang, they gave their athletes a questionnaire, sort of a get-to-know-you style thing. Sadly, at least they didn't publish it on their website. They didn't publish any artistic swimmers back in Rio. So I've chosen a swimmer because it's the closest thing I could get. Um, there's always a drawing element to this. Kirsten, if, if you really want to, uh, you don't have to. We've had we've had two bobsledders send in their drawings. So uh, if, you know, you, you do feel like the next, so the first one here is draw a picture of yourself. So if you feel like doing some homework, draw a picture oh of gosh. yourself and send it in and we'll publish it. So <laughs> Sure, I would love to do that. <laughs> good. We haven't had a summer athlete do it yet. So come on, let's uh, go team I, summer. It won't be good, but uh, hey, it'll be that's, interesting. That's fine. This show isn't good, but you're on it. So it kind of, it works very well. Uh, the first question for you today, the best candy in the world is? Oh, that's a good one. Let's see. I love, I'm a, I love chocolate. Does that count? Absolutely. Or, for the Canadians out there, I love Cherry Blasters. Those ah, yes. are so good. <laughs> yes, I know those. Okay, I like that. Uh, your favourite sandwich is? Oh, um, I think peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yes, classic. Can't go past it. Uh, do you, and it. I always like to, I always get very interested in the bread. Like are you uh, a specific bread? Do you like white, multigrain, wholemeal, sourdough, anything in particular? Yeah, if I'm being naughty and it's a PB&J, then just, like, white bread and preferably, like, really good crust or no crust mm. at all. <laughs> yes, the crust. I always, I'm a, I'm a sucker for the crust. The crust can make or break a good sandwich, right? So, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, when it's fresh and it's very crusty. Uh, your favourite sports movie is? Ooh, uh, I think Cool Runnings. That's great. Yes. Classic. <laughs> They're so inspiring. <laughs> Calgary setting as well, so it's yeah, home, exactly, right. Which is there any synchro movies out there that we should be aware of? Um, a lot of people have made like smaller synchro documentaries. There's a lot out there. I think there's one called Synchro Swim from like quite a few years back. Um, but yeah, I think we need like a a mainstream massive synchro movie. It's to a come sport out. that I feel warrants a movie like it's kind yeah. of like with everything that we've learned today and how difficult it is i mean how many boxing movies i mean they just punch each other come on <laughs> like i mean come on this is there's a lot of um men like male synchro uh, things out there that people have sent me over the years um but i don't think they capture the sport right they kind of make a little bit of a joke out of it or show like men being funny in the water but in my experience, I've seen men working so hard at the sport, um, doing really well. And like, obviously the women too, who work so hard. So we need more of that, a good image for our sport. Well, in your seriousness, I think it would help because I mean, two things stand out to me growing up about sort of synchro and the comedy side of things in Australia. I don't know if you remember the show, The Chasers War and Everything, but they had a skit where they had two of their male comedians kind of trying out for the synchro team and they were making a big joke about it. And then back, you would probably, you would have been about two, if my calculations are correct, during the Sydney Olympics, there was uh, Roy and HG, a, com a comedic duo, kind of had this show called The Dream. And a lot of what got them really popular during the Sydney Olympics is they did sort of comedy commentary over the sport and they did synchronise swimming. Um, so when you watch our commentary, we're, I guess, trying to emulate Roy and HG, not as successfully because they were funny. Um, so it's kind of, it's, it's almost that comedic, it's almost that comedic element that the sport kind of has. So I want this mainstreamness out there to kind of paint the sport a little bit better. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, synchro is a weird sport. It's like hilarious. So I, I'm okay if people are like making funny commentary about it. But yeah, it's also nice to spread awareness that it's hard. <laughs> we work exactly. hard. Exactly. Very, very hard. Um, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Oh, well, um, I was really lucky this year. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. That's all right. You're but, on off the um, podium. Uh, it's, that's my job every single episode. So if, by all means, join in <laughs> on the butchering of pronunciations. It fits well. My answer to this was always um, the writer of Mal's Last Dancer, Lee um, Sh- she shen it's it's pronounced something like that it's um he's uh just this amazing ballerina who came from communist china um and now he's the director of the queensland ballet and i got to meet him this year and i was like that was always my answer to questions like this that i would like have yeah (laughs) lunch with him, him you know wow yeah i was like crying <laughs> it was so embarrassing <laughs> i was like trying not he like gave us a talk and some advice about competing at a high level and like i just soaked up everything he said because he's a genius like he's Fantastic. worked so hard in his career so Great. yeah that's my answer <laughs> done easy i like it uh now the next drawing for you and this fits in very because usually i have to tailor this because often we've got australian guests on but you're half canadian half australian draw a picture of a canadian animal so there you go there's your second <laughs> homework so they've drawn. It looks like I'm guessing this is a Canadian geese. It looks either that or a weird dinosaur. I don't actually know what they've drawn in this picture, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, um, I really Morocco is on my bucket list. I really want to go there. So yeah, I guess I guess that's my when all this is over. <laughs> go to Morocco. You could be the head coach of the Moroccan artistic swimming team i, I don't know what, how big the scene is in morocco no offense if they're really good but um, oh, you wonder. never know that would yeah. be cool yeah exactly now i know the answer to this but i want you to say it because any excuse to talk about them uh, as a kid your favorite sports team were <laughs> yeah i love the flames good <laughs> Go answer the flames. correct answer. Which, <laughs> just on the routine i'm thinking battle of alberta you could kind of just have you all like beaten up edmonton in the pool or <laughs> recreate the bullshit that was the 2004 Stanley Cup finals. It was a goal. So therefore you could just stick the middle finger up to the Tampa Bay lightning. Cause we're all sick of them winning. So there's some extra routines you can have. <laughs> oh for my free. gosh. That's great. <laughs> I'll, I'll think about those ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm not bitter against Tampa Bay. It's been 17 years, but I'm not bitter. Let's just say that. Um, your favorite workout is. Oh, um, I like, I find it a really good stress release just going for a run. I love, um, putting on like a dramatic music and just like running at my own pace. However I want. Sometimes I like get crazy if the, if I'm really into the music, I'll start to sprint and then I'll like do a really slow snail pace jog for a while. It's, it's fun. <laughs> how, how dramatic are we talking here? Is this like Jewel of the Fate Star Wars? Like, I mean, kind of like what, oh, what's going like, on? Beyonce kind of stuff, like super girly. <laughs> that works. They like it. It's just, you know, any time for Beyonce, right? That's, oh, exactly. Uh, that's the excuse. Um, <laughs> next drawing. Here's your third one. The coolest Olympic medal. And uh, I should say the athlete I'm using here is Santo Condorelli, and he's drawn a picture of what looks like a medal with a fish in water. I guess he's a swimmer. Oh, cool. <laughs> so 
That works. Um, I don't know what you could have for a for an artistic medal. Uh, the Star Wars, Darth Vader. There you go. That, 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 that's <laughs> easy answer, right? Uh, <laughs> that kind of works. If you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Um, Gold Coast. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm so excited for Brisbane 2032. Yeah. I'm just pumped. It was so exciting to get that news while I was in Tokyo. Like, yeah, that was awesome. It's. I mean, look. Just saying, you might not be going to Paris, but then you've still got another, you know, eight years after that to kind of get back into it. So home Olympics, get you yeah, out Yeah, well, I want to help the girls coming up into that or um, maybe be a – my dream would be to do some type of, like, public health event work around that game. So that would be really cool. Perfect timing. I think I think it can work. Um, I love this question. When you were little, what was one thing you always thought? Oh, like like a quirky thing? Well, the, the Santo's written here that Santa was real. So <laughs> That's amazing. Um oh, I thought the Olympics when I was really little, I thought the Olympics was like a circus, like <laughs> a traveling um <laughs> And I remember asking, my mom doesn't remember this, but I asked her whether like the athletes got lonely and like missed their bears. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, can I you answer that question just, now? Is that Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we're too busy having fun, but we definitely yeah. miss home. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Final question. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, um, teleportation for sure. Yes. Great answer. that's a popular one. Yes. Or br- uh, no, I change it. Breathing underwater. Hey. That would make my life so much easier. <laughs> that would be perfect. So does that mean that like... Aquaman would be fantastic at synchro. Like, is Jason Momoa just like maybe the best athlete out there that we just don't know about yet because he hasn't competed in Olympics? Oh yeah, maybe. Shout out to uh, Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. We, we, I love feel we to need give to give him a every, synchro lesson. <laughs> every single episode should be uh, just shout out to Jason Momoa while he's uh, <laughs> while he's, uh, I mean, okay, we, I'm, I'm not I'm not taking away from how good you all look at the Olympics. You all look fantastic, but I mean, come on, Jason Momoa. At an Olympic Games, I think we're all watching. Yeah, I think him and a Budgley smuggler might be- bring some uh, traction to the sport. So, <laughs> I just, I just want him to every single time he finishes his routine, just you know, seductively look into the camera and be like, "Permission to come aboard!" Like, boom, <laughs> like absolute, like winning there. You talk, you, you may have gone viral with your one photo. Jason Momoa just, just does that. Absolutely, that would be perfect. next level. Indeed. Now, because before we let you go, uh, social media, where can people follow you? And also, you said to me off air that you wanted to give a shout out and I want to give you the opportunity to give a shout out because I don't want to let you go without sending shout outs to people. (laughs) Yeah, I want to say hi to my grandma who's probably listening to this on a walk. She's from... Creston, BC. So, hi, Hertha. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and Hertha. Obviously, to all my like uh, family and other extended, my other grandparents. I don't want them to get jealous. <laughs> and my um, my yeah, parents and everyone who's helped me on the Olympic journey. That was really special. Um, but yeah, people can find me on um, Instagram. P- please follow me for more. Maybe I'll become another meme. <laughs> Always. I'm, After this interview, come on. Meme, memes yeah. galore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm uh, Kirsten underscore Kanash. Um, it's probably spelt however it's spelt in the podcast title. So I, I will, I'll make there. sure I spell it correctly this time. I'll <laughs> use spell check uh, to make sure that people, people can find you. Kirsten, seriously, it has been so much fun to chatting with you today to learn about your journey and 
and the sport. I, I have learnt so much. I seriously am going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this interview and I feel like I need to uh, review my awkward commentary, which I will send you. But uh, I also will get to the pool. I'll start training and I'll, I'll see you in Paris. <laughs> I'll, I'll start bringing the Star Wars. And, and like, just you're sending shout-outs to Jason Momoa. Hey, Natalie Portman. <laughs> If you know we're using half of your character in the uh, the routine, come along and watch us. I'll, I'll gladly show you around Paris. That sounded awkward, but hey, I'll go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. It's been great talking to you, Ben. And a massive thanks to Kirsten. They're a lot of fun and. Uh, Wow, I, uh, I'm just blown away with just how difficult the sport is and how incredible athletes they all are. Also glad to know that male artistic swimming is a thing. So uh, again, it gives me hope and I will start practicing my Star Wars routine and be ready for Paris in 2024. So definitely looking forward to that. But uh, big thanks again to Kirsten for her time. As always, we've got plenty of interviews coming your way. Plenty of great episodes. The best way to stay up to date with all of them. Search Off The Podium on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. And of course, if you want to subscribe to the show, all good podcasts are found. Search Off The Podium, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, Amazon Podcasts. That's the one I'm trying to think of. iHeartRadio. We're all on all of them. So search for us on there and uh, leave us some feedback, leave us a rating. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. So uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you joining us with all these great episodes and learning these great stories from all these great athletes. Big thanks again to Kirsten for tuning in. Big thanks to everybody, well, for joining me, I should say, and big thanks to you for tuning in. That makes sense. See, we learnt earlier that she's going to be teaching speech and the speech pathologist is where she's going to help. Moving forward, we might actually be able to say something proper for once on this show. Uh, Thanks to everyone for tuning in. My name is Ben. This is Off The Podium. Special shout-out to uh, Jason Momoa, and as always, go left. Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese, I really think so.